Welcome to another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast with me, James Roberts, transformational coach, two-time Paralympian, and TEDx speaker. I have another awesome episode for you today, so let's get straight into it. And on today's show, I've got Kelvin Bremner. At school, Kelvin was very sporty, played football to a fairly decent level, although some may disagree. He ran cross-country and competed in athletics, as well as being generally active, as most teenagers are. When he was about 16 years old, he discovered smoking and drinking, and as he grew older, the sports tailed off and the party took over. Before he knew it, he'd stopped all sports, drank far too much, played with recreational drugs, and stuffed his face with whatever was in front of him. He travelled and lived overseas a lot from the age of 18, and while amazingly fun and that we wouldn't change, it was not exactly a healthy lifestyle. Still thinking he was a spring chicken, this continued into his 30s. He avoided sports at this point because when he tried to play the odd five-a-side after about three minutes and a single sprightly dash up the wing, he'd think, fuck me, I'm dying. It, it gets embarrassing, so he, would, he wouldn't bother. So welcome on to the show, Kelvin. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Yourself? I'm good. I'm very good. Obviously, we won't give too much away from the rest of that story. I'll let you say it. Yeah. So talk to me then. Let's fast forward and I'll do the opposite. You're actually the first person I've gone into the present. What was the catalyst for you to kind of go enough's enough and I need to get healthier and then obviously educate other people on, on my method of doing things? Yeah, so the catalyst was really, I was living back, so I live in Edinburgh now, um, and but for a couple of years, I moved back down to the south of England, uh, Worthing, near Brighton, and a friend of mine, or his wife actually phoned me up and said, we've entered Tough Mudder, do you fancy coming along? Do you fancy joining our team? And at that point, I was probably four stone heavier than I am now, and I looked at my girlfriend at the time and I said to her like do you, do you do you fancy this and she was like yes definitely so uh we had three or four months to 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 get fit for it and yeah that that was um that just sort of became the the reason to try and sort stuff out you know um because I'd sort of played at it every now and again and sort of you know gone out running in the dark so nobody could see me and couldn't really run very far. And at that point, yeah, that, that very next day, I went for a run down the road and I couldn't get as far as the beach. And I lived probably 300 meters from the beach. Um, so it was initially, yeah, I want to do this. And also pose a little bit of fear. I didn't want to look silly that drove me on as well to, to train for, for this tough mother. Um, and then, yeah, I found a, a really good gym down in Worthing and sort of went to their boot camp and then started training with um with the guy there that owned the gym and i think i just one day i just thought i feel so good i must have felt terrible before you know you don't realize how bad you feel until you feel better um and it just got sort of snowballed from there um Moving on, yeah, did the Tough Mudder and then started entering more running races because that's what I used to love doing when I was younger was cross-country runs and athletics. And, um, yeah, it just snowballed. And then the 
I suppose the education started for me personally originally I didn't want to become um, I, I wasn't planning on becoming a professional uh, in in this sort of industry I literally I did my level two gym instructor because I wanted to learn more about what I was doing and and I was just had a general interest in it and it just snowballed from there I went into nutrition and behavior change and then now I'm full-time um, have been for a while so it's uh yeah it just sort of snowballed from right I need to do something I'm gonna I'm gonna have to not look silly in this tough mudder to I'm really enjoying this so carry on what what do you think is more difficult in it because I've obviously never done the tough mudder I've been asked to do it but never did it mm-hmm. is it more physical or is it more mental um when I did it tough mudder was still quite a new thing and not many people had done it that I knew um so it's quite a number of years ago now so the mental side of it was the fear of the unknown I suppose but actually it's not really that tough like you don't if you can run a 5k you can get around it um so uh but yeah it is it is quite it is quite physical but um it's not it's not as bad as as it looks in the videos. <laughs> it's not as bad as it looks in the videos. It's more just um, very muddy, <laughs> disgustingly muddy. Um, but they're good fun. You should try it. And then obviously you went on to do the second one. Um, talk to me about the, the the more difficult ones that you've done. So be it doing the free peaks challenge so those that are not in the uk mm-hmm. would be the highest mountain in wales highest mountain in scotland highest mountain in england um and then obviously going to do hadrian's wall which i didn't realize was that far <laughs> 33 hours uh, of what was it 84 miles 86 miles 84 miles something like that yeah yeah so what possessed um, you to do those those two i I like to challenge myself and I like to have something in the distance that I need to train for. I suppose it gives me a bit of a kick up the ass um, and avoids any complacency setting in. And I have this, I don't know. I just have this, like I've, I, this year I'm doing my first ultra. So um, that's, it's only a, the shortest ultra that you can do, but it's 50 kilometers. So yeah, I just, for some reason, I have this these niggling thoughts. I'm like, right, I want to do something that's going to break me potentially, and um, uh, yeah, and, and to push myself. So the three peaks was probably one of the hardest. We did it. Um, we did it in reverse. We started down in Wales at Snowdon, uh, Snowdon, and then we did Scaffold Pike in in Yorkshire. Uh, not in Yorkshire, in the, in the Lake District, and then up to um, Ben Nevis. And we left Ben Nevis last, which is the highest mountain. That was tough. Like we, we hadn't slept because we had a driver. Um, and you, you basically, for anybody who doesn't know, you have to climb the three highest peaks in the United Kingdom within 24 hours and drive between them. So we had a driver. You don't get any sleep because trying to sleep on a minibus, it just wasn't really happening. Um, I think I had like half an hour sleep in the 24 hours. And yeah, the first one was great. We literally stomped up it and um, we were back down in something silly, like an hour and a half, less than two hours. We were up and down, I think it was, um, because we literally ran back down. And then uh, 
yeah, the middle one was tough, but the 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 last one we started at two o'clock in the morning. It's it was raining and snowing, even though it was the solstice weekend. Um and yeah, it's pitch black. We hadn't fueled properly, probably for the last one because I think we got a bit cocky. And um it was about a five or six hour slog up and down that was. And it was um Yes, snow still on the top on the, <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, it was pretty brutal. And we did it with about 35 minutes to spare. Um, again, I think it's just, I, I'd actually, I put that together with my friends after a friend's, um, I was living back down in England still, and I traveled up to Edinburgh for a friend's uh, engagement party. So it had been quite a boozy weekend. And again, this was before I was working um, as a, in, in health industry. And I was on the train going back down, feeling pretty sorry for myself because I'd had quite a, quite a lot to drink the night before. And it seems to be that, that that was the catalyst. I was like, right, I feel awful. I need to do something positive. So <laughs> text a few friends and, and, and that's how that started. Um, Hadrian's Wall was... Yeah, that was a tough one as well. Um, I did that with my brother for uh, Care After Combat, um, like a mental health charity for X-Forces. My brother was in the uh, in the green jackets. So, yeah, again, that was tough. Just a long, 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 long hike. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think they just come about of, I just need something to, to push me out. Men- I think mentally, more than physically, um, I enjoy the, the the torture, type two fun, as they call it. Okay. So what what would be on the cards and something like Marathon de Sable or what's the other one that I saw? Uh, the Norseman. There's one called the Fire and Ice in Iceland, and they have to change the route continuously because you go across um, lava fields and things. <laughs> it's all a bit bonkers. And I think that's about 250 kilometres um so yeah i'd like to do a big ultra for some reason stupidly they um i've never done a marathon i've run ultra distance on my own before sort of by mistake i was training i did a training walk for hadrian's wall and um i I was on my own and i got bored and i thought this is going to take about 15 hours so i ran so yeah i think i'd like to do a, a bigger ultra I wouldn't like to do it all the time, but there's just something that, like I say, something just niggles. I get a little idea and it niggles at me for a couple of years and then I'm just like, right, I have to sign up for this. Let's go and do it. Why not Ironman then? Um, yeah, I don't enjoy the swimming. I don't enjoy the swimming. I probably should do because I surf. Uh, so I probably should swim more often. Um, yeah. I, maybe one day, maybe a triathlon anyway, start start with a triathlon and see. Uh, the Ironman's uh, a brutal one, isn't it? Well, so I've heard. And yeah. I have to take people for their word because I'm not yeah. that crazy. Yeah. If they triathlon to me and I kind of go, no, thank you. <laughs> um, because, well, obviously the in-joke with within the three disciplines is the runners would take the piss out of the triathletes. Oh, you're doing that because you can't run. The swimmers would do the same, and then the cyclists would do also do the same. Thinking, mm-hmm. well, mentally, 
that's a lot harder than the individual sports because you've got to keep going. So it's okay. 1500 meter swim is no joke. Uh, I've done it in a training session, but that was years ago. Um, then you've got to do, was it 20 something mile bike and then to finish with a marathon. Finish with a marathon. So it's, it's not, it's obviously it's a, it's in jest <clears throat> and it's a bit of banter, but that's both physically exhausting. I mean, just those words, finishing with a marathon. <laughs> then mentally, you've got to be able to kick on. Yeah. Obviously, they're not going 100% in every single one, but no, but generally the runners are the ones that will win it, the better runners. Yeah. Um, so coming back to you, Kelvin, and obviously you, you, I've seen you do a few runs now uh, with that opening back up. For you mentally, how much of a uplift has that been to be obviously running with other people? Oh, I just got a shiver then. Like just the thought of, like, I had so many races cancelled and postponed uh, over the last sort of year and a half that, yeah, the first one back was, yeah, it, I mean, I hadn't trained properly for it and it was all a bit of a last minute thing. But just being able to run with other people is is just great. You know, I have missed the the races um, a hell of a lot. So, yeah, I think, I mean, it, it's funny because I'm a solo runner. I run on my own. I don't, I mean, I do have a running club that I run with people. Um, but generally, most days of the week, I'll go and run on my own because I prefer it. And it's a bit of a, a timeout for me mentally. But there's something about a race uh, once you've done your training. There's something about a race that just, I don't know, it just pushes you on. So, yeah, it was great to be back. It was great to be back. I've done a couple already, so a few more booked for this year. And then talk to the, to, to the listeners about your experience of going in the North Sea. I obviously know the story because I was there, but you, you said you liked the thrill of a challenge. What was it like for you? Going in the sea, um, to be honest, it wasn't that much of a challenge for me because I, I mean, I surf, so I'm in the North Sea quite a bit. Um, the hardest part was the, I mean, it, it was freezing, it was cold. Um, and I do normally have a wetsuit on when I'm, when I'm surfing in Scotland. But uh, <laughs> um, I think the thing with cold water is it, it's the mental thing beforehand once you do it, it's not actually that bad. Um, but the thought of it, like, right, okay, I know I'm going into the sea at some point this morning and it's going to be cold. It's the same that like I do cold showers and it's just the thought, I'm hyperventilating before I do it. But um, once you're in, it's never that bad. So I suppose that's the same with anything really though, isn't it? Our, our minds make uh, a bigger barrier, uh, make things bigger than they they often are. So when you're hyperventilating, Kevin, you're trying to psych yourself up or psych yourself out? Uh, no, I psych myself up. It's just like, <laughs> right, <laughs> turn the cold on. Um, but uh, I find it, it's pretty invigorating. I, I do like the cold showers. I don't do it for long, a minute or so um, after a hot shower. But there's something that just 
just charges you up for the day after doing it. So, yeah, the the going in the sea because we were like uh, going in as a team. I found it really rewarding because some people struggled, some people didn't, but just seeing people sort of stick together and and uh, and link up and and get it done and look out for each other is quite a yeah it's quite a buzz I think seeing people seeing people and even if you haven't helped them personally you know just being around them and seeing them face up to their their challenge I think that was the rewarding part for me it was not so much me doing it myself it was just seeing other people stand up to stuff that they're not they're maybe a bit scared of um, and kind of made me appreciate that we all have different fears and we shouldn't take things for granted that yeah, that's easy for me, but it's not for somebody else and it takes a lot to stand up and do it. So we won't see you anytime soon joining with Wim Hof then. <laughs> he is bonkers. He's absolutely bonkers. I mean, yeah, I don't mind um, a bit of cold water, but iced water, uh, iced baths is taking it a bit too far. I'm not really into the ice bath thing. I don't mind a cold shower, but you won't catch me getting in a in a wheelie bin full of ice after a race. <laughs> Are you honest? What was it? I don't know what it was. Uh, I don't know if it's a podcast of Kevin Hart, but he was doing an interview with um, Rhonda Royce in a in an ice bath. So she was all right because I think she was preparing for something, and he was trying to be a tough man. But I think. He, he wanted to just have the feet in there. Can we just do the interview like this? It's like, no, I'm going to go all in. Um, so fair play when he's only, I don't know, five foot, five foot six, maybe. Yeah. Like pretty guy. much all of you in the wards. <laughs> <laughs> so coming back to, to that challenge uh, of this, of the, I'll call it the North Sea challenge. Um, you can steal yeah. that one of yeah. hashtag. Uh, <laughs> and, obviously having to do kind of like a military style boot camp. You were telling me that you went to police having to carry one of the heaviest people there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Nikos, he's a big lad. What is he? He's got to be six foot five, six foot six, and a big, big like chunk of a personal trainer. Um, yeah, that that tested my legs and my back. <laughs> um but uh, yeah, it was good. It was good fun. I think it was a, it was a good way to warm up after it was getting us to roll around in the sand immediately. Um, and then obviously we knew what was coming after that back in the sea to wash off. So, uh, but yeah, it was good. It was good to get, um, it's good to work out with other people. I know it was only a short thing to warm us up, but I enjoy group stuff. I'm not really a, I'm not really fond of going to the gym and training on my own. It's not really my... It's not really my bag, you know. So um, yeah, it's good fun. I enjoyed it. What? Why? Why is that? Is it because it's? I don't want to put words into your mouth, but what? What, what is it that you find that it's not your in your bag of tricks? That you is it that you? Um, no, no, no give and take. I, I, I think I'm just a bit sadistic, and I like people shouting at me telling me what to do when I'm training and pushing me that extra bit. Um, I always think that, yeah, it's a strange one. I think I get a little bit more out of myself when I'm training with other people 
And I think it's just the camaraderie, I think, you know. I do go and train on my own. If I've got races coming up, then I will go and train in the gym on my own. Um, but I prefer group sessions. I prefer training with other people, um, even though I know exactly what to do and frat programs for other people i still use a pt myself um a friend of mine have done for a while because i don't know i just enjoy it a lot, a lot more than, than working out on, on your own you know and then we're just looking here last one to add to the to your your repertoire uh you also ran 50 54 miles up the five coastal path i've not heard about that one talk to us about the terrain to start with yeah, 54 kilometers. So it's 30, about 35 miles. Um, that was the, the training walk that turned into a run. So started in Edinburgh, um, in sort of the south part of the city where I was living at the time, got as far as the road that leads up to the, the bridge that takes you over the fourth. And I was like, oh, this is going to take me so long. So, yeah, once I got over the bridge and onto the coastal path, it's just um, undulating uh, cliff, cliff edge footpaths most of the way, and then it cuts through a few towns. So there's not really much in terms of, of, um, of, of sort of altitude. It's pretty, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not too bad that way, but it's, yeah, it's, it's just a love, like the east, the east, it's called the East Nuke, the east coast of Fife is beautiful most of the way up apart from when you're going through the the, the, the towns and the housing estates where it cuts in slightly because of the, the cliffs but yeah it's just um it's just a lovely lovely i used to work up uh, in fife on holiday park before my my old profession was um holiday industry so i used to live on the east coast of fife and that's why i thought oh, i'm going to run up there um it's just uh, it's just a beautiful beautiful part of the country do you think that's why you have a a I'm not gonna say fixation, but a comfortable temperament being in in the uncomfortable just because of your past experience of working in in the obviously you I know you worked in timeshare, but being mm-hmm. from the mental side of it of you're trying to convince something to convince somebody to buy something that they don't want to. Do you think that gives you uh, an advantage when you get into a state where most people would take the easy way out? Um, don't know. Good question. I think, I don't know. For me, just the whole challenge and like it's all about being outside for me it's all about being outside i don't do indoor sports i don't do um team sports anymore i'm all about being outside and being challenged by the wilderness i mean to me being outside up the mountains or running up a coastal path is like being charged and in, plugged into the mains you know that's where i get my energy from is being outside amongst the elements and when they turn against you um it's we call it type two fun it's horrible at the time but when you've done it and you've completed what you were trying to do um it's yeah it's uh it's, it's, it's just a buzz and like the, the the satisfaction that you get after 
having uh having beaten the elements and beaten whatever's been thrown at you um it's just you, you forget how hard it is pretty quickly you forget how hard it was and then you're looking for the next one so yeah i don't know i don't know why where i got that from really to be honest no, it's a, it's an it's a, it's an honest answer. It's not an easy question to 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 answer when you maybe every when you have a time to think you can you can maybe put it into into writing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> good idea. And you talked about being out in the elements. I, I'm assuming you did the the the, the coastal run, what of the walk, but turned into a run. It wasn't. You weren't exposed to the elements, or did you just do it uh, on on a particular day where? And I live near the coast as well, uh, to give people some perspective. Where it was a fairly calm day then. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was a lovely day actually. I had to stop off and buy sun cream on the way, uh, and a cap because it it was overcast and pretty dreary when I left. But about yeah probably about 10 miles in i was getting sunburnt on the top of my head <laughs> so uh yeah it was quite a nice day for it it was a nice day and, and i just chose that route one because i knew i knew the area and two it was the best the best route that i could find a train station to run to to get a get a train back you know um because i didn't have anyone to come and collect me so uh but yeah it was a, it was it was a cracking day wow and obviously the, the 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 bridge over the forefire is quite famous um just just because of its well, location yeah and just of its well, infrastructure in itself so if anybody gets a chance just google it if you're not in scotland if you're in scotland you obviously know about it if in the uk you've heard <laughs> about it if you're not in the uk it is pretty much breathtaking because even Oh, what was it? What's the new? I think it's Queen Elizabeth II Carrier was up there. To yes. Do its, do its test run before it went out to sea and it went under it. They built one of the aircraft carriers there, just uh, just under the bridge at the docks at Ross Ife there. But if you do look up the bridges, make sure you look up the rail bridge, not the uh, the old Fourth Road Bridge, because that's not very pretty. But the rail bridge is, is lovely. <laughs> Well, that's that's it. It's showing the 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 era, isn't it? Victorian age versus twenty twentieth, twenty first century. Yeah, yeah. There's a new one. There's there's three there now. So sport for choice. Well, it's it, it's well. We've got something similar with with um, spanning between the mainland of North Wales and Anglesey. Have you got um, what is it? If I get it right. You've got the Menai Bridge, which is the older bridge, and then uh, the Britannia Bridge, which was which was just for railway. You know the mm-hmm. um, not cylindrical, but the, it was the 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 girder was. Um, it's hard to describe it, the the bridge, but obviously that burnt down in the seventies, and they rebuilt it, and uh, the the road goes over the the railway now, and that's the newer bridge, but. They are probably more photogenic than what you're describing. Mm, yeah. One's obviously Vic, Victorian, and the other one is uh, a little bit old, a little bit newer. But they've obviously modernised it with with the times, and um, obviously a lot of the the Victorian age statues that you can't see unless you walk it. 
So it'd be like buttresses of lions. And and it's only it's only because of television I know they exist, otherwise I wouldn't know they were there. <laughs> so that being said, uh Kelvin, I almost called you Colin then. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, Dave. <laughs> um, what what was other than the job, what was the, the, the draw for you to, to stay up in Scotland? Obviously, as an English person, you would get a lot of stick being up there. Um, yeah, I came up here originally about 15 years ago um, for work. Head office for a company I was working for was in just outside of Edinburgh. So I moved to Edinburgh and I just love it here. I mean, the location is perfect for me because I've got a beautiful city that I live in. If you've not been to Edinburgh, you need to go. It's beautiful. Um, castle in the middle. There's a, there's a Arthur's seat and like, which is, um, it's not a mountain, but it's a huge, huge hill that peers over the city. Um, I've got a beach, like five minute walk away from me. I've got all of the coast here for surfing. And then within, well, I've got the Pentland Hills for hiking and running. And within an hour and a half, you can be in the mountains. In the, in the real mountains. So for me, that's the draw. Um, I, my family still lived there. I'm from Kent originally. My family or my brother still lives in Kent and it's just too busy for me now. And there, there are no mountains. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's, it's the outdoors, it's the wilderness. It's the, that is the location for what I do and what I love to do that keeps me here. hundred percent. It's a bit like Game of Thrones a little bit. <laughs> I, I I think looking at that when you look at the the introduction, it's you can't get more British than that. Oh, it's, it's like London. Technically, it's probably offensive to Scotland with the people above the above. Yeah, the we're, the, we're the wildlings up here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously, um, Wales. Would, I'm assuming Wales would be just referenced to the, with the dragons because then it would make sense. Yeah. Um, but the point I'm making with that is it, it kind of you can kind of into 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 what's the word I want to use? Kind of put a mi- mi- mix and match, <clears throat> put that put real life into TV and then vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you being English up there, probably a little bit not as much banter because football team's doing all right. Yeah, it's not it's not that bad actually. You do get a bit of banter. Um, obviously, last night that's why I've got a bit of a croaky voice today from shouting last night at the TV um, for the England game. But it's it's good friendly banter. It is good friendly banter. Um, I don't get that much stick to be honest. So uh, I'm quite lucky. Um, but there is a healthy healthy rivalry. But it's funny because like we would. Uh, we most of my English friends or a lot of my English friends would support Scotland if they were the only team left in in the tournament um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, but it wouldn't it wouldn't be reciprocated, be reciprocated. no <laughs> absolutely not no no but uh yeah I, I just love it up here it's it's home it has been I tried moving away a couple of times and I've been back within a year or so um yeah it's great I, love it. I think it's just the space for me well, it's it, it's surprising to hear you say that because Edinburgh's, I would say, still busy. Would it be in a, the the metropolitan areas of Edinburgh and Glasgow, where most people are in Scotland? It is, but then 
even even with that, like you just go to Holyrood Park in in the middle of the city, and it's it's like there's a there's a small mountain being plonked in the middle and acres and acres of open field and so you can escape it within five minutes and like I say within a 10 minute drive so I'll get the best of both worlds I've got all the um we've got all the restaurants and the the entertainment and the Edinburgh festival that's on throughout the summer um but yeah you can just escape it within minutes and it's beautiful up here it's absolutely stunning well I have the luxury of going up to Scotland quite often so um I didn't last season because uh, work commitments sent me the opposite direction to London. Uh, and then obviously the uh, COVID happened. COVID. I well, shouldn't that's... laugh, but in terms of uh, it kind of puts things into perspective when it comes to, to athletics or, or health and well-being because I kind of put more uh, focus on an aspect of my business. And I was like, well, I'll be after. I'm going to miss these two games up in uh, um, Lothian and, and Glasgow. But I'll have another chance. And obviously, did, little did I know we had an extra three months and then everything stopped for f- yeah. 15 months. And then, and we only went back six weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, in terms of lockdown, I couldn't have been in a better place. So lucky to have... Like I say, the, the beach, just five minutes walk away. Um, the park, it's Holyrood Park. It's uh, I, I, If I was stuck in the middle of a, a part of London, I, I used to live in Soho, um, and I couldn't have thought, I couldn't think of anything worse, being stuck in in a big, big, big metropolitan. Edinburgh's not really that big. It's, um, it's not that big a city, so yeah so lucky where I am well not lucky it's not really luck is it I, I chose to live here but uh, I'd certainly appreciated my surroundings during lockdown do you think it helps a little bit that um, Nicholas Sturgeon shut the border that no English allowed in no Welsh no no, <laughs> no Northern Ireland and you could actually enjoy it the, the six, like six million people in Scotland yeah I mean throughout the summer last year normally there's an extra three, four million people pass through the city. I think something ridiculous like that through um, through that through the summer. Because you've got the Edinburgh, you've got the film festival, the jazz festival, the comedy fringe festival, the arts festival. So from about mid June all the way till first week of September, it's absolutely mobbed here, mayhem. So this or last summer, with no festival on, it was. And once we were allowed to meet in a couple of, no, I think they changed the rules, didn't they? So you could meet in maybe two or three people. I think it was the rule of three for a while. Um, once that was allowed and being able to appreciate the city, and it sounds awful, but without the tourists, it was very strange, but an amazing experience because we were sitting in um, on the forecourt of the, the castle where they normally do the military tattoo. And there was maybe 30 people up there at the most. Um, we sat there in the evening. Um, the sun was setting over the city. Uh, we just sat there having a having a cold drink and chatting away. And it's like, when do you ever get to do this? Because the, 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 the city was empty. Sitting in the park in Princess Gardens, 
and there was probably again probably 50 people in the gardens when there's normally a couple of thousand at that time of year so yeah it was a strange experience being here in sort of july and august and, and no tourists but it was um you know quite appreciated it was nice Oh, it's 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 nice. Uh, whereas where else didn't do that? Did the opposite. It went from oh, what was it? The rule you could travel five miles to everything is now open. So right. it's pretty much bedlam. Um, so for us with the the locals and I, and I'm fortunate to be probably in a similar position of uh, probably half an hour walk to the. To the, to the sea and within 30 to 45 minutes I'll be in Snowdonia uh, but obviously we couldn't experience that and I think we did as a family just go into Snowdonia and I've never seen so many people and considering we were supposed to social distance it didn't look yeah. like that yeah. um, so I think well I know people people who came from other parts I've seen I was a BBC programme that looks at um, rural Wales, and they did one on the the Brecon Beacons National Park, and somebody had driven up from Somerset to go for a walk. I know it's crackers, isn't it? It's absolute crackers. Um, the hills. I mean, even now, the the hills are super busy because there's no travel. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, we we couldn't travel out of our area. Edinburgh was on the. They did it slightly different here to England. They had local lockdowns, so you couldn't. We weren't allowed to leave the city. Basically, you weren't allowed to leave your your um, council area. So for a long time, we couldn't even leave Edinburgh. So, like I say, I was lucky because we had the hills here. Um, but uh, yeah, even now, like the, the the hills, especially the popular ones, it's quite hard to to even park so it let alone get up the hill without seeing everybody and that's kind of the aim when i'm climbing a mountain is to try and see as little people as possible so um but yeah there was there was a lot of stories here of people traveling to to the highlands and the islands and trying to get away with getting out of their area and going for a walk and getting fined and going back um which is not really fair when you're taking the risk of taking it to a small small island where there's maybe only a few hundred people living on the island and they've managed to keep themselves clear of of, uh, of the infection rate but people are people aren't they they'll do what they do i'm curious now kelvin what kind of personality type are you then because you said uh, you don't you, you like to go into the wilderness and not see people enfp so so for people that don't know, can you can you can you elaborate? Um, yeah, I don't. I'm I'm I'm. I think it's a, a very sort of empath um, empathic, uh, conscientious type of personality. So I do enjoy people, and I'm a bit of a I'm an an extrovert in places that I'm comfortable. And in situations that I'm comfortable, but then I'm very introverted in other in other situations. So I don't know where that I, I think I think it is just where when you get up into the mountains and you get away from people, it's just kind of breathing space, I think. And 
And again, especially when you're not around many people at all, I like the feeling of feeling insignificant. <laughs> and uh, the mountains can have that effect on you. You know, when you're surrounded by mountains and you can't see anybody else for miles, then you suddenly think, yeah, I'm nothing on this planet like compared to the planet. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I I've not really thought about Yeah, I don't because I I don't even know what it, I can't even remember what it actually stands for. Um, the ENFP. Do you? What are you? I can't remember. It only came up um, yesterday on a call. Yeah. For Danny, as in he needed somebody that was the literal same last three letters, but the opposite of the yeah. first one. So yeah, like I don't remember what mine is, but I'm gonna have to go in from my emails to. I'm sure I'm the opposite of him based on that, but I don't always operate like that. Yeah. Um, so, no, the only reason I asked was maybe that you are in, introverted in the way that most people would think of as you, you, you're quite happy to be, uh, you find joy in your, in your own existence. No, I'm not going as far as narcissist, narcissistic when I'm saying that, but in terms of you're comfortable in your own space and if the, the outside world was to implode as it has done, you would, you'd be all right. Cause you, you pretty much. I'm definitely, I'm definitely a people person, but then I do need my, I do need, I suppose it's escapism, isn't it? Well, recharging, like, recharging the battery. It's recharging the batteries. Um, I'm definitely a people person. Uh, I, thrive although i work for myself on my own i definitely thrive from being in a team as well um which is i don't know that's there's such a contradiction isn't it because i thrive from being in a team but i don't play team sports so everything i do is solo but i like people around me whilst i'm doing it does that make sense you know so i suppose with yeah, the running I, I would probably describe it as um Oh gosh, the America's Cup. Everybody's got their own job. Yeah. In uh yeah. The, within making the boat go faster. So be it, you know, the the helmsman, the navigator, obviously the steering. Um, but the the workhorses are the it's it's a funny word, the grinders. Mm -hmm. Um I can't couldn't think of more silly names with what they do, <laughs> but in terms of if they don't put in the grunts, yeah, the boat doesn't do anything. Yeah. So I think what you you mentioned there is there is the the element of the eye because yeah. I don't do my job properly, the the team doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that's right. It's weird. It's like I I prefer to do sports where I'm relying on myself, and I'm not relying on anyone else. But I like to be surrounded by people at the same time, and that's I suppose the same with with my business. I suppose that's why I work with people but for myself um yeah that's that's interesting i've never really thought of that oh, so it took you into, took you into a different space yeah <laughs> i want to ask you my penultimate question then like i asked everybody and i'll ask you too because you, you're one of the lucky people <laughs> if you got to sit down with any athletes dead or alive Kelvin, for that matter, who would it be and why? Oh, good question. 
any athlete. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, probably he's alive. Kelly Slater is a surfer. Um, he is the greatest of all time. Still is. He's in his 40s now. And some of the stuff that you see him do is terrifying um and that's what is the draw with surfing i think it's exhilarating and terrifying at the same time and yeah i think he's there's a good documentary that he's in um about i forget what it's called now but uh, it's about him and the the his friends that grew up on the beach in hawaii and his it shines through like his determination and his cutthroat determination that drives him to the success. Like he's, he's people thought he was finished and then he's come back and he's better than he better than ever after a couple of years of, um, of not winning. And he is just ruthless in his approach to everything he does. And I think that's something that I admire in people. Um, I don't think it's, I, well, it's funny because you can admire it and you can think, oh, that's a bit arsy at the same time because like, you, you see the way that, that some, some people behave um, where it's win at all costs. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think I'd like to sit down and have a chat with him, definitely. And my penultimate question to follow on from that, Kelvin, is any coach that you'd like to sit down dead or alive and why? Any coach? In what any 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 field that any you want, field any field that you want to go into? Um, any coach? You can expand it to a leadership role if you wanted to. to <laughs> um, yeah, probably. I mean, it's some like he's he's one of the you either love him or you hate him, and I'm just intrigued by him as a person. Is the Tony Robbins just? Like some people just have, I'd imagine, I mean, I've never met him, but I'd imagine he's the sort of person that his presence alone, when he walks into a room, um, whether you enjoy what he does or not, some of it I think is a bit strange and a bit bonkers to me. Um, and a bit, I suppose the, the American approach is quite, woohoo, <laughs> you know, um, but some of his stuff is like, just just clicks and you're like oh my god yeah that's uh that's pretty clever that's and like hits a hits a nerve with a lot of stuff that he says so yeah i think um i think probably probably tony robbins my last question before we sign off on the episode is if you had to summarize into one sentence for people to take away what would that be summarize summarize the episode I forgot my words. <laughs> Summarize the episode. Yeah. Um, thought provoking because you've made me think about things in terms of my personality type, v my activities and what I do. Um, so yeah, thought provoking. I'm going to go and think about why I do what I do in terms of my sport. <laughs> That's interesting, and it's obviously that's the intent of the 
it's the mindset is to not pick away at things, but to be able to, to analyze. I think when you feel comfortable and you would agree with this, um, when you are open to, to receiving whatever that might be, uh, the challenge that even you want to face as when you're open to kind of taking it on, that's the right time to do it. Yeah. And I think understanding why we do things is a great um, tool in terms of being able to change doing things. Like if, if you're doing something that you don't, like if you've got a behavior that you don't want to do anymore, um, it's often not a case of being told to change it or, or just trying to change it. You need to work out why you do it, I suppose. And, um, and then once you understand it, you'll be able to, to conquer it, you know? So I think why is a very important, very important word. So once again, Kelvin, thanks again for coming on the Mindset Athlete Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Enjoyed it. It's my pleasure. Thanks again for tuning in. And I hope you enjoyed this episode and got loads from it. Anything that was included and discussed will be available in the show notes below. And I would love to hear from you. Come and connect and ask your questions. I've been James Roberts from jamesowenroberts.com. Remember this quote by Chris Hoth. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute, not by some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete.